Hey everybody, thanks for joining us. This is episode 12 of That Scale RC Show. Uh, we apologize for not having this episode out last week. We had a couple technical issues, but the silver lining in that is that we got an awesome guest to talk with us today. So uh, we are here with Adam Dean, our, my co-host, and Sean Russin, who you guys may know on social media as at Shumzer. Right. How you doing, everybody? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, just enjoying the Southern California weather right now. You know, it's starting to finally stop raining, <laughs> so we can get to racing. And uh, yeah, just uh, everything's going well, man. So it's been raining there, and then where Adam is up north, he's been just roasting. That's kind of what you guys have been dealing <laughs> well, with. Well. Uh, the, yeah, they, it's actually kind of weird that they actually have rain a little bit longer than we did because typically SoCal's got like almost summer weather, you know, 11 months out of the year. So right. um, they if like it if it gets cold, it's usually like high 70s mm -hmm. or, you know, if that's like as cold as it gets. But I think this year most of California got a pretty good winter. Yeah, we did. We we ended up getting a lot of rain. Uh, as the people are following, we had to postpone nationals a couple times, which was frustrating because of the rain. And and we get we got off to a, a kind of a rocky start on our summer series because of it as well. But uh, you know, pushing through, and we should be seeing clear skies. So. God, it's been nice here, like in the uh -huh. '60s. But man, it's like for whatever reason, with how the island's situated in the Puget Sound up here, it gets wind like you wouldn't believe, and like it sounds like the house is gonna blow away right now. So I'm just crossing my fingers, praying that the power doesn't go out because we've had the power go out here, and like at one point there was six days I think we went without power. So it was, oh god, it was kind of rough. You need a you need a generator. Yeah, man. I was just gonna say I, you need a generator. I have one, but it sucks. Like it is so noisy and the carbs gummed up. And it it was my dad's and it was like a Harbor Freight special. I mean the thing like shakes uh -oh. the house when you turn it on. So it, I've we just kind of just tough it out and deal with it. It it's kind of inconvenient for work sometimes, but. Well, actually, it's funny that you say that because now with the good old PG&E and what's going on with, uh, you know, especially with the Northern California fires, they're talking about um, they're going to start just vo uh, voluntarily turning off the power if it's like crazy winds and high temperatures and all that stuff. So um, especially like up in the Sacramento area and up north from there, a lot of people, this is going to be if you're in the generator business this is where you're going to make some serious money because they're starting to tell people, you know, it could be out for a day, two days, three days. Wow. And, you know, so a lot of people starting to freak out. I know uh, Michelle's parents um, actually just bought generators so they can um, run the important appliances like your refrigerator, um, you know, your AC if you need to use it, um, uh, what else, trash pump, all that kind of stuff. Um just in case if it's out for, you know, an extended period of time. I mean, that's what we were testing last weekend in the driveway was uh, making sure, like, what, how, how far can we push this stuff before it pops? So. Wow. But. Before the generator stuff. gives out. <laughs> yep, before the generator gives out. So. Man, that's but, crazy. 
I didn't realize it got that but, bad up there. Uh, well, I don't know if you've. Well, see, I don't know how. I don't know what your area like tells you about the news because I know down where Sean's at, I know they have fires pretty bad. Yeah. Um, last year we got hit really bad. Well, actually, the last two years we've gotten hit pretty bad up here in Northern California. So two years ago we had the Santa Rosa, um, that fire. The Santa Rosa area one, um, that one wiped out. I don't know how many acres, and it burnt. That thing was going forever, and um, so we had that one, which I I think they called that one the Tubbs fire, if I'm not mm. mistaken. And then shortly after, they had another fire kind of closer to um, Clear Lake um, and all that. Then they had one. Um, by Shasta this year, and then while the Shasta one was going, they had one by Berryessa and uh, by, uh, I think, Chico. So, like, they had, like, three going at the same time, and people were starting to, like, freak out. I mean, like, there was some serious – oh, in Paradise. That was the big one this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Paradise got wiped out, and, I mean, it's just – it's been nuts. So – yeah it's sad it's kind of weird like to sit there and because i mean there was a lot of guys that like all of us mutually know in the rc world that full-on just lost their houses like stuff got burned Mm -hmm. up so i mean when you think like our small community if you know that many people it's got to be on such a more grand scale overall so i mean you really start thinking about the amount of damage that was done and the people that lost everything well yeah i mean like an example um when the one up by Shasta and um, Chico happened, uh, Chris Prestwood had to evacuate his house God, from scale sucks. by Chris. So he's oh, just huh. like, yeah, we threw everything in the trailer and headed to his parents because his parents were in an area that was that was safe. It was in a clear zone. So, um, yeah, that was pretty stressful. Wow. He was like, we kids are out of school. I can't work for, you know, like a week because, like, we got to be away from the house and you know well there's so. a bunch of people at a main that lost their houses too I, I know matt from a main he uh he his family they stayed in a hotel for a couple days and then they got the call that it was okay to go back but i mean a main had that big fundraiser for the employees that lost their homes and stuff so that was, mm-hmm. that was actually yeah, that really was cool to see yeah that, uh, that was just gnarly i don't know I, those cell phone videos and stuff were just haunting from those fires oh I mean. yeah well, I mean, even like I said, there was the one down in SoCal where the where I was that 101 that people were filming it from, and it just just a wall. It was just be- a wall of fire on. I each believe side. you're talking about possibly the Malibu fire. That was yeah, yeah, um, and that was that was really bad. I mean, well, they're all really bad, but the Malibu one down here was really bad, uh, um, and then the Temesco Canyon one, I think, was the most recent one. I mean, it's not as big as some of the ones, but. It's, you know, it's it's sad to see that much, that many people suffer and lose mm-hmm. homes and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, I really, it's, a, it's a bummer. I really hope that we don't get a situation where, like, the, um, sorry, one second, I'm getting an emergency message here from the kid. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> You're hoping... Uh, I I lost it. Sorry, I need to turn my cell phone off. Otherwise, I'm going to be doing that the whole evening. It doesn't come to something, but then you uh, stop. <laughs> I'm just turning my phone off so that I am not bothered. There we go. Okay. Anyway, so 
Oh, you know well, what? It came back. I was just going to say... With, we got a little questionnaire. Oh. Uh, what, what, it, it hit me. Let me get it out why I still got it here. No, what I was going to say get is... It while it's there. Yeah, it, it, dude, it's exactly. You get old and it happens. Um, <laughs> no, I was just thinking to myself, you know, when we were talking about all the fires and stuff, I was like, you know, I really hope we don't ever have a lipo fire that causes some kind of, you know, forest fire or something like that because that would really really be bad i mean that would shut us down for being at parks and all kinds of stuff so i don't know it's just probably one more reason to try and ran home you know run home the whole idea of lipo safety with people but i don't know i think we've been pretty lucky so far oh man not knock on wood yeah exactly <laughs> the, amount, oh, yeah. the amount of years i've been dealing with lipo that's i feel that I feel that I've actually I've only had a battery catch fire on me one time and this is when lipo first came out we're talking probably 2002 three something and uh, it was when the when associated had the 18t little truck right and and uh, the chargers they weren't balanced chargers they weren't smart chargers like they are now it was literally hook it up to your car charger and charge a lipo and and uh you know it i I don't really remember what happened but yeah it caught fire (laughs) almost caught my car on fire that was the one and only time i've ever had a lipo issue from there on i you know uh you know lipo was and brushless was still so early then that i was in nitro at that time so it was i just dabbled in it and i was like yeah this isn't for me i'm just gonna stick with the nitro stuff you know I didn't get yeah. I didn't get back into to lipo until much later, and then by then they had good chargers that you know read each cell and balanced and all that, and they didn't have that when I first started in it, or at least not at the hobby store that I was going to anyway. Yeah, we got into it around 2010, like late 2010, first part of 2011, and lipos and brushless was still kind of like the hot new thing at that point, and yeah, I, I think about the first yeah. charger we had, and it was pretty sketchy. <laughs> Well, it was like with me, I know probably or like what Jay said, it was probably close to around because I got my first scale crawler in like 2009, uh, but I didn't really start going to events till about like 2011. But when my first event I went to, I had a nickel metal battery still. And one of the guys at the event was like, what are, you're still running one of those? You know, you got to try lipo. And then um, I did that. But back then, the brushless wasn't really popular in the crawling. Right. Um brushless was still kind of like your go fast now it's like everybody runs brushless it's like it's crazy except for me i'm stubborn (laughs) Uh, you know i think some of the real hardcore crawler guys oh no i i I think that you know some guys like the brush because the startup is a little smoother i don't run brushed motors at all anymore back when i was a young kid i ran brushed long long ago but i haven't touched a brush motor in quite some time this this year's <laughs> kind of been my like actual yeah like, i first experience with skill with scale stuff with brushless in it it's i mean the bomber and yeti were but that doesn't really count but i'm i'm actually kind of enjoying it now with the whole brushless setup but it, it took a little bit more figuring out you don't just throw it in and go there's a lot of esc settings and stuff to play with Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, it always kind of came down to, like, I'll be honest, price. Um, the brushless is more expensive, whereas I can get into usually a brush setup, and especially when you have, like, 12 rigs, it's a lot easier 
you just keep your brush running and only throw brushless in where it needs to be. Um, so that's kind of why I run that setup. So 90% of my cars are brushed still, mm -hmm. except for like the go fast and mm -hmm. the one crawler is a uh, brushless now. Yeah. It's really, I mean, like once you get them figured out, like it took me but, a little bit, but I ended up playing with the throttle curve some. And once I actually got it dialed in, I really, really liked it. But it just, the way I had it set up originally, which was kind of similar, like radio settings and whatnot, to uh, how my brush motors were, it was just super violent down low. Like, it was really just, like, it would lurch really hard and back up, and it would, like, just, it, it engaged way too hard, and so it was really hard to try and crawl smooth with it, but the, one of the nice things that I was able to do is just get in and change the throttle curve and made it kind of a nice concave, and it ended up being awesome. Mm-hmm. And now, are, is that's on a censored motor? Or, censored, or yeah. Censored? Yeah, I've, yeah, I've never messed with censorless. Like, I, I think the last censorless setup I had was in Atraxis. It was one of their Valenian systems, and it was like, you know, whatever. But, I mean, with racing, it didn't, I mean, it didn't take much with, like, having a racing background to figure out that censorless, or censored is the only way to go on a crawler, because... I mean, oh, it's yeah. just the startup. It doesn't cog. <laughs> yeah. And some people are like, yep. oh, it doesn't cog. You know, it's like, man, you know, most of them that I've seen do. But I don't know. It, it's it's one of those Ford versus Chevy arguments that you just no one's ever going to win. Exactly. That's a personal preference, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, Sean Adams got some questions for you. Why don't we? uh We'll let him get through that and yeah, man, sure. let our listeners get to know you. Yeah, these are just little uh, icebreaker questions. Um, and being that we are called the Scale RC Show, we everything's basically geared towards scale. So, But feel free to answer it however you want to answer. Um, like I said, these are just generic questions. Uh, first one is, what would be your favorite scale my crawler? favorite scale crawler? Well, we'll go off of just what I've actually used. And my scale crawler that I run right now is a TRX-4. And uh, I like it. I've had good, good, uh, good results with it. Although, I'll just start off right away. I'm not... I do crawl. But that's... I'm a go, I'm a go fast guy. That's why I'm in U4. Um, I like to go fast on rocks, not slow. But uh, so, you know, I, I like the TRX4. It's tough. We we there's several of us that run that car, and and we've done very almost little to nothing to them other than put in a brushless system, an ESC, and a servo, and we beat the snot out of them. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> nice. So I nice. like that. I like that car. I like the remote diffs and all that kind of stuff. It's fun. Um, you know, it adds a little more to it. Uh, I haven't had a chance with the SCX-10, so it, you know I couldn't really say which one's better. I just that's what I use. That's what I like. Is that the uh, is the yeah. SCX the Chevy or uh, the one with the truggy bed? Yes, that's my little my little '66 Chevy. Yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll have to post up some pictures of that when we uh, make the post yeah. insane that it's available because that he's thing had looks a sharp. Few different yeah, he's had a few different bodies. When I first got it, I ran the Jeep body. Then I was running the uh, Raptor truck body on it there for a while. And now, um, because I actually, my grandfather bought a 65 uh, brand new, and my dad has it now. So we have a 65 in the family. That's what drew me towards 
the 66 C10. Right. And uh, I painted it the same color and, you know, the whole nine. Even though my dad's like, you know, I never did like that color. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. That was probably after the fact too, right? <laughs> uh, my aunt actually painted it the baby blue. <laughs> right on. Nice. Um, so where would be your favorite place to go crawling slash trail riding um, or you four? I'm th I'm going to mix it all up for you. Yeah, no, we'll go with the crawling. Um, I, I really like the uh, Corona Del Mar area. I went there uh, a couple times and, uh, you know, being I love the ocean and you get to look at the beach and the ocean while you're crawling. I mean, you know, it's, it's super nice. The only downfall of it is it's kind of out of park. There's a lot of people around. Um, it is a hot spot, though. It's got really nice rock formations, and you get great grip. But uh, I would have to say out here, you know, you can't go wrong with Horsemans, man. <laughs> that's nice. one That's uh -huh. a one, one heck of a place to go crawling. But here real close, if I'm just going to go somewhere by my house, there's a place they call Rainbow, which is in Temecula. That's really, really close. But... So I have a couple spots, but if you were to say what's your favorite, I'm going to say Corona Del Mar because of the ocean. Awesome. Um, I think we had – so our listeners, the last episode they heard would have been the one with John Schultz. He said the same thing. Mm -hmm. Corona Del Mar is one of his, one of his favorite places. Yeah. Um, so what would be your favorite um, RC event? My favorite RC event, Proline by the Fire. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I know. I'm still hearing it from some people. I, I need to make that on the list next year. Yeah. Um, uh, current number of rigs you own? Uh, running or not running? I, I got probably like 13 rigs total. Um, again, they're not all crawlers. I, I have a lot of everything. Um, but yeah, I got like, thir I got like 13 cars that laying around. You know, um, maybe two of them aren't necessarily running. I have mm -hmm. the very first version of uh, Nitro Revo with a carbon fiber chassis on it that uh, has a Pico 26 motor in it that I that I kind of hang on to. And then I was really into the monster truck scene. So I also have a, a Fastlane machine, three-speed uh, Savage that sits in a box that, you know, I used to run a lot and it's got some drive shaft issues that I need to work on. So those are the only cars that aren't running, everything else. Yeah, we got a lot of cars, a lot of go fast stuff. <laughs> yeah, that that's why we always ask rigs because um, when we originally asked each other these questions, I did the same thing. I got a couple of monster trucks. Yeah. A uh, couple go fast, a couple, you know, majority of them are crawlers, but yeah. there's a little bit of everything. So that's why we changed it to current number of rigs. Um, so, next question would be uh, Do you prefer comp days or trail days? Like going out for actually competing or just having fun? Oh, yeah. I like just trailing with the friends. Uh, comp's fun. Um, it's just not not my speed, really. Uh, mm -hmm. It's fun. I do like it, you know, where you're going through the little gates and stuff like that. I just don't really personally have – the TRX-4 is about the only thing that I would have that would be used for that. And it's got the longer wheelbase on it, and I run kind of a wide stance on it. So really, mm -hmm. it's not really set up real well for that, you know. But just going out and walking with the friends and hanging out and, and crawling, that's probably what I like the most. It's all good, though. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you're outside. As long as um, I got a controller in my hand, I'm granted. <laughs> so um, 
I know we kind of went over this a little bit, um, but brushed or brushless, what is your preference? Oh, brushless. Yeah. Yeah, brushless all day. Only because uh, my experience with brushed is way back in the 80s and, you know, calm drops and cutting the cams and, and you know, it's a lot of maintenance. There's way more maintenance in those motors that I remember. You know, you got to remember, I'm mm -hmm. 47 years old. I was playing with RC cars when I was nine. So, the yeah, it was just from what I remember, is just a lot of maintenance. And with the brushless, it's less maintenance. You know, maybe I'm just like not a good, uh, I guess, brushed motor um, maintenance person because I don't do any maintenance to mine. I run until they don't move anymore. <laughs> yep, the, mo the, most, the most maintenance. <laughs> The most maintenance I've ever done to it is if it stops moving, I check the brushes, and if they're, like, you know, wallowed out, then I just go, all right, put new brushes in it and send it back out on the trail. I don't right. do anything else. I mean, that's the most maintenance I've ever done to a single brush motor. But Right. Um, yeah, know, that's pretty funny. I'm sure, you know, I, I'm sure technology's changed from when I was a kid, and you probably don't have to service them as much as you used to, but I remember having to do that a lot to make them last anyway. Nice. Um, current radio setup. Like, what's your go-to radio? Oh, go-to radio is the Futaba 7PX right now. Um, I'm loving that radio. I've been an Airtronics guy for many, many years. Um, I just switched to Futaba, and I'm loving it. I really, really like it. Um, now, could I say that it's doing things that my Airtronics wasn't doing? Nah, not really. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's faster. I, I will say the it. I do notice the speed, but as far as what I'm using the radio for, all the features that I want are there. Um, I haven't gotten quite into a four-wheel steering car yet. Uh, I'm sure mm -hmm. it will happen eventually, but uh, yeah, seven PX. Nice. Um, so, so I'm just gonna generalize this question because we typically ask what would be your next scaler you would buy what would mm. be the next rc rig you would buy what would be the next rig in your fleet that you you know say like you go into the hobby shop hey this is the one i want to buy next what would that be oh boy i got a couple i want right now um i'm gonna say the next car that is probably going to hit my bench is going to be a drag car or something to go fast only because i've got lots of rock racers and crawlers going on and I've kind of got my eye on the uh, that that Arma uh, F1 car, the roller, mm -hmm. um, only because I want to hit 150. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you're down there with Tim Smith and all those guys. <laughs> yeah, they, absolutely. They, yeah, you're in good company. They like, but yeah, but, they like be, to go fast. But but for the record, because this is a crawler podcast, and and I absolutely will plan on getting one. The uh, of course the new element. Uh, you know, I'm going to get the element, of course. I want to see how it does in U4. I'm going to put it to the test. Nice. I'm sure there'll be somebody that will get one before me because I always have way too much going on my plate. But, yeah, I'm going to get my hands on one just like the rest of the crowd and see how it goes. And I, I'm a, I'm an old-school associated fan, so I have to get one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There's a lot of guys saying the same thing that aren't even necessarily yeah, like crawler guys. The, I grew up on the RC-10. You know, I grew up on mm -hmm. that since the early 80s. You know, I mean, I, I started running RC cars when I was six or seven, you know. So, I mean, I, I, I remember the RC-10 when it was debuted, 
you know my uncle got one i got one you know uh so yeah i have to go with i gotta get one i was having that talk with a guy the other day um just talking about like how ae has you don't realize it because it's not as publicized as traxxas is because traxxas it seems like that's what brings everybody into the hobby but mm-hmm. ae has like a massive mm-hmm. traxxas like fan base of its own and that goes back to like guys that don't race anymore that used to guys that are current racers in this day and age that are looking at getting the the ae crawler just because of the fact that ae makes it so i mean it's it's mm-hmm. a huge huge loyal fan base Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I and I when at the proline by the fire they had one there and you know John was there and I touched it and fielded it and groped it and they look cool. <laughs> I like that transmission idea. Oh that's my god, very, right? Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, I'm, you know, it's a great looking truck and the box is cool, man. It's got a garage in it. Right? <laughs> yeah. We were it was funny cuz me and Jay were actually just talking about scale garages before we got you on the phone mm-hmm. um, cuz I was telling about how I have mine set up and he was like, "Yeah, I want to make something that I can carry around." And I'm like, "Well, you can always kind of go that route and, you know, copy element and go cardboard or, you know, make panels that velcro together, bolt together, piano hinge together, whatever." and bring it with you if that's what you're trying to do but yeah that is it's definitely one of those i guess um i want i don't want to say like underestimated or like overlooked but it kind of is an area that a lot of people hey they get a car i mean i used to be one of those i saved the box just for oh i do my own own weird (laughs) good i'm not the only one then (laughs) but 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 then they started they started collecting like really like because i'm like up to number 15 in rc cars so like when you're sitting there staring at like a room full of boxes you're like yeah something's got to happen about this oh you got to break so them down. i started just well i yeah i just actually now i just cut out the front panel oh, there you and go. then i get rid of the yeah, yeah. i just get rid of the rest of it so now i got you know it's a lot smaller a lot more compact but yeah um i do but, that yeah, no that was definitely i do that go with, ahead. i do that with all my lego boxes <laughs> oh nice keep that stuff yeah so um but no it's definitely an area you know it's a box a lot of people just you know they just go oh it's a box and that's it you know they actually went the extra mile which is pretty cool um basically yeah. utilizing an area that you know for the majority of the people just throw out yeah but um all right let's see we got two more questions um i know you've kind of already dabbled in this but um what is what is the reason you got into RC or Scale RC? What got me into Scale RC was probably the EXO. That's what got me looking at Scale because I was always into just RC cars, and we all know that RC cars, for the most part, look like a spaceship. Uh, mm-hmm. And so many many moons ago once axial started you know once i started realizing what axial was you know uh, and they started coming up with kits the exo was what caught my eye because i've always loved sand cars four wheel four seater mm-hmm. sand cars like the buckshot things like that i love those yep. cars so that's where it really started the whole like idea of i'm going to have a rc car that has a steering wheel in it and some seats and lights and it's not just an RC car. Like you look at an RC10 and it looks like an RC car, you know, right. or like your buggy, any any one <laughs> of your eight scale buggies or anything like that. They they kind of 
you know, they, they resemble what an RC car is. They don't really look like something scale. So that's where it all started. Um, I drove that XO around and I still have it. You know, I bought that as a kit when they first came out and, uh, that's where it started from there. It, it went into the Wraith, you know, and I started playing with that. Um, and, uh, but I wasn't really crawling. I had a track in my backyard again, and I tried to drive them fast all the time. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't get even into crawling until I had already met some of the guys from U4. Oh, wow. You know, oh, okay. I, so that's really, that's really where it started. Yeah. Like I, I am really tried and true, uh, a buggy racer, you know, on, and short course. And so I had bought the rock ray and the baja ray when they both came out and i was playing with them a little bit getting on instagram and i met uh, a gentleman of uh, justin budwitz and looking at his cars and he had some uc fab car and i was like wow that's cool what's that he's like oh we race them in you know u4 this is texting back and forth and that's kind of really where it started that's when i was like okay i'm gonna go check out this u4 stuff and mm -hmm. go give it a shot he's he, you know he's like come out and have fun with us well, I packed up my rock ray and I went out there and that's really when it started. And that was like, I want to say 2017, you know, uh, summer of 2017. And so that's when really like I went out and actually crawled with a group and went slow on rocks, you know, and it was really, I think, um, some crawl event I did with the Corona Hobbytown USA it was either that yeah. or Proline by the fire, the very, the uh, the uh, second one. But uh, so I, I'm I'm a new crawler, to be honest with you guys. You know, something that I've just gotten into, like around 2017. So. It's fun. <laughs> nice. Uh, final question. Yeah. No. I mean, I've been in. Oh, so it's it's a blast and a day. Definitely see how it's progressed. Like, I'm sure, like you've seen everything progress to what it is racing, and even like the buggy racing and all that stuff to see way up to what it is now. And it's just insane what's you know where it's going, where it's going, and how far it's grown. And just to see, like, okay, we're still right, growing. Right. So you know, to keep your eyes peeled on what's coming next is. You know, there's. I think we've mentioned this in another podcast. This this year has been like a crazy leap forward for a lot of scale um, goodness between uh, axial releases, red cat releases, the element release, uh, revamps of the Traxxas releases. I mean, and Vanquish now has their second version of the VS410. I mean, yeah, it's just no, insane it's how much we're getting time. spoiled in the scale RC world right now. I wasn't expecting to see another Vanquish one so soon. Either. So, final question. Oh, you got me there too. I. That was that was one that was unexpected, especially with the motor forward. That was a that was another mind blower. Yeah, I didn't expect that at all. So sick. Yeah, that, that very uh, so, very cool transmission as well. Yeah. So final question, um, and then we'll get into just BS and then whatever else you guys want to talk about. Favorite hobby shop. My favorite hobby shop is going to be my local hobby shop, which is Mike's Hobbies in Lake Elsinore. 
uh, Chad and Mike are, treat me very well, and I have a good time hanging out there with those guys and, you know, watching them work. And, and every now and then I'll jump in and try and convince a customer to buy an RC car or something, you know, <laughs> just for the fun of it. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, awesome. That, I, 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 they're, they're, again, they're right down the street from me. And, and, uh, when I got back into, well, I've never really gotten out of RC. It's just, it's always been with me. Uh, but when I decided to start dropping some serious coin in RC, that was the first place I went to. And they, what really drove me to their hobby store is they had a, an EXO, a big, huge picture of an EXO on the front of their building. And I was like, oh, they got to have an EXO. <laughs> That's rad. <laughs> I ended up walking out of there with a bunch of a bunch of uh, uh, Baja Ray and the Rock Ray. And gosh, I think I, I bought a couple cars there. So. Awesome. Yeah, it's always good to hear, you know, people's stories about uh, their local hobby shops because um, everybody's local hobby shop is different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and there's a lot that have come and gone. Um, some of them, you know, they move on just because they don't get enough support. Uh, I know personally my local hobby shop, um, my closest would technically be J&M Hobbies in San Carlos, but they're more of a plane and boat kind of mm. You know, um, hobby shop. Mm -hmm. I go there really for for just paints. Um, sometimes if they have a body, um, because otherwise they typically don't have what I need. Uh, I gotta head down to San Jose before I can actually go to a hobby shop that'll have more crawler related parts. So right. it's nice to still be able though to interact with a local shop. So oh, for sure. <clears throat> That's an. I mean, I, sometimes I'll go down there and buy something. Sometimes I just want to go out down there and just say hi to the guys and 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 mm -hmm. hang out with Chad and say hi to Mike and, you know, Aliris and you know, another employee there. That they're just good guys to hang out with them and talk RC, you know. Chad yep. is with Techno, so me and him like talking Techno stuff together. And, you know, it's it's one of the – it just uh, passes time when work is slow and I want to go hang out and not be at the house. I'll go down to the hobby store. <laughs> Kind of like my dad used to do when he just nice. used to go to the nice. gun store all the time. I go hang out at the hobby store. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. So, yeah, so I guess the, where, where I'm going to take this next is we've already talked about it a little bit with the U4 racing. Um, and I know for some of our listeners, um, I'd probably say more towards the listeners back east. Um, and don't be offended if I say this, but it's probably not as big back east. So for anybody listening, how about you um, give us like a rundown of what U4 Racing is. U4 Racing is uh, really at scale first, performance second. That's that's really where it started. And it's based on cars that are scale to king of the hammer style vehicles, your 4400 class cars. So your um, your bomber would be your very basic, this is what you four cars look like, this is what we like to see out on the track. We like to see cages and drivers. Um, so it's it's a scale first performance second and uh, it's brutal, you know. Um, you're racing, some of the tracks we have <clears throat> are got some big rocks in them, you know, and so uh, you've got to drive smart and and not just barrel through everything so you don't go home broken you know mm -hmm. um it's kind of what i love about it so much is is the challenge 
of trying to survive an entire day of racing on the rocks without breaking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that in itself is a challenge. More or less try and go an entire season, you know, a full series and not break your wallet. <laughs> uh, but again, I have successfully raced a full season with very minimal broken parts. It's all really how you treat your car on the track. If you drive smart and you're not trying to kill it all the time, um, you know, you'll, you could hit podium and you could actually make it a long time without a broken car. So it depends on your build and it depends on your driving. But U4 is, is performance first and scale or scale first, performance second. And, and uh, it's basically, like I said, it's geared off of the king of the hammer cars. So anything that you see the king of the hammer guys doing, we look at that and, and use it as inspiration and try and and do something in an RC uh, environment. Awesome. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's what kind of got me into the whole, I guess, U4 style rigs, like your bomber, um, the UC Fab chassis mm -hmm. builds, is that iconic, you know, King of the Hammers, you know, buggy or truggy or whatever you want to call it. That that iconic look is there's something about it and i guess if you're out here on the west coast um it's something that if you've been to a king of the hammers or you've watched king of the hammers then you know exactly what we're talking about yeah so i i, I always uh you know i had to do this because i was new and i came in and and trying to understand what u4 was all about that was basically what i did is i started just watching a lot of king of the hammer races and and getting an idea of okay this is the one-to-one -one rock racing this is what we're trying to do in rc you know mm -hmm. it's a little different because we're dealing with a driver stand and you know it, it, it's those king of the hammer races those things wander off you know a long ways and that's kind of like when we did the the race and you know oh, it yeah. reminds me of the k5 style racing because you're going off you know and never never land but um we're trying to keep it like kind of like a short course with rocks you know, sometimes we add some big jumps in there and it gets a little it gets a little hairy for the solid axle cars to be going from double double or triples and things like that. So you end up just rolling over that stuff. Um, some guys, you know, will send it. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, like the UC Fab cars and like your bombers and stuff like that, you can jump those, but you've got to be good on your landings. Yeah, definitely. You know? Because especially like with the bomber, what ends up happening um, is they want to bounce and they wheelie and you end up on the hind legs and then they flip over on their lid. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, again, that's what I love so much about it. The challenge to keep the thing on the lid and to keep it in one piece and to make it all the way the whole eight or ten minutes, whatever race we're running at the time. I mean, it's tough. Just, just trying to keep up with the competition and then everything else. Uh it makes it a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. It makes yeah. it a lot of fun. The, the closest, yeah, and I think we talked about this uh, before we started recording, the closest I've ever been to rock racing or U4 racing would actually have to be the Ultra 5K at Axial Fest two years ago. Um, did it with the Bomber. Um, you're actually running with your car, so it is different than what Sean's talking about, where they actually stand at a driver's stand and actually just drive around the course from one location um but it's brutal 
it is brutal. It's a, especially the Ultra 5K. It's a lot like what you see on King of the Hammers. People are flipped over. Other people are driving right mm -hmm. over your rig. You're trying to like flip it back over. I mean, it's yeah. It's you know, and tough. that's <clears throat> when you're that's something in in the rock gardens. It's not a free for all. I mean, we we do ask of you if someone is stuck in front of you to to kind of yield before you d drive over top of your their car sure but you are you know we do do that you know um mm -hmm. it's you know there is a little bit of aggressive driving when you're in the rocks you know and it, and it can get it can get tight and you're bumping and rubbing and driving over top of each other and you know but then we try you know when once you're out on the track section in the short course sections you know it's 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 keep it clean yeah you know? and with the rocks and stuff i mean really i mean nine times out of ten when you have guys colliding and stuff in those sections it's just a race oh, it it's gets... yeah it's just a racing incident i mean the car yeah. you know you're going over a surface so uneven somebody's gonna get pitched into someone else and oh uh -huh. absolutely we never absolutely. really had any like you took me out arguments with you four when we were doing it here which was kind of kind of cool actually because it was like one of the very like few forms of racing that RC cars that you don't have that argument. Yeah, yeah. It happens. Yeah, I'd actually... But we, we just worked through it. Yeah. Yeah, I would actually have to say, I, I mean, this would probably be a better question because um, I know we all mutually know who Gene Boyd is. I know when they have the, the racing up in Sacramento, the Auburn area, there's a couple occasions where Mike Pham and Dan Wilson would argue that one of the other took them out of the race so um yeah i've been around for a couple of those arguments oh, so funny yeah but it happens it happens everywhere oh yeah um, it's just part of the hobby part of the hobby that's it well you know to tension flare and you know you're in the heat of the moment and you know mm -hmm. i think we've all been guilty of hitting the trigger a little heavier than we should yeah <laughs> You know, most crashes and incidents like that, it's just, uh -huh. all it uh -huh. is is just uh, usually some sort of driver error. To, like, actually intentionally take somebody out is a lot harder than most people realize. And, uh, you know, I mean, usually it's just an error or a lapse in judgment that causes those situations. It's not a guy, like, purposely deciding he's going to clean you out. I mean that do, right. that does happen, but you know it's sure. it's yep. something I don't see a whole lot of with even regular off road racing. I mean everybody kind of you know it happens. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's racing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So here's here's another part. Yeah, here's another part of the U four racing that I actually have a little question um, about because I actually was kind of I guess you could say corner marshalling mm -hmm. for the mm -hmm. rock races last year at Axial Fest. Um, I don't believe you've been to an Axial no, Fest I yet. No, I have not. Have you? No. Sean? Okay. Um, yeah, so I was going to ask, are those rules somewhat close to how you run the U the U4 um, races? Well, because like basically in the one class, yeah. like when it was the kids, right. we'd flip their cars back over. The 12 and under, we'd flip their cars back over. When you were in the other classes, once you roll over and you can no longer right yourself mm. by driving, oh, you were yeah. done. Is no, that... we uh, we race just like any other uh, any other RC race. We have turn marshals that flip you over when you crash. 
So if you're going to the rocks and you have okay. to hit another car or hit a rock and flip over on your side, the turn marshal will flip you over and keep, keep you going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I know I know at Axial Fest we basically were trying to just mark who was in first because it was hard. Because um, I'm sure, which is a whole other question. Um, do you guys run any kind of um, what's the word for it? The like the I don't even know what I, I'm I'm drawing a blank, but it's the transmitter oh, that you know. I know what you're talking about. Oh, transponder. Yeah. Yeah, the transponder. Yeah, we use yeah. Um, you, what we use in SoCal. We use uh, TrackMate. So it's okay. a, it's a infrared setup. So it's not my lamp, my laps. Um, it's a little bit cheaper of a of a setup. We do use Lifetime RC software, but we use TrackMate Loop and oh, okay. uh, and TrackMate. I didn't know you could do that. Boxes. I thought you had to. You, I thought mm. that was like strictly my okay. labs, and you had to have the decoder box and everything. Wow. Uh no no my laps for the best of my knowledge my laps is part of lifetime and all that but no we we managed to get our uh and Brian Jones actually you know the president of U4 mm -hmm. he actually set that up um and he you know he takes the the computer home sometimes I'll take it home from posting up stuff but uh but yeah that's what we use dude that's um, killer that's a way more economical system you know if you're looking to start a track or you know if somebody's wanting to you know yeah do a full you know four course most of us have both you know a lot of us hardcore racers we have my laps and track mate the deal is is yeah it's that that decoder in that loop is expensive oh yeah it's bad i mean all the racing up here is my lap so i've, I've never been right on a track that's anything else but man I and i would oh sorry go ahead no i would love to have one it's just you know being as big as socal ufrc is it's just not really feasible to bring one of those in and the other my thing is is you know those transponders are expensive. Oh yeah, they're 100 I, to 115 for a mile. Yeah, I can. I, you know these guys are already spending a lot of money on a rock racer. You know the least thing, uh, you know, just add another hundred and some dollars that they got to throw on their card just so it counts the lap. Ah, go go get yourself a TrackMate deal. You know you could probably get them for 25, 30 bucks. I know for a fact that if you're in my area, you can hit up. Uh, Corey from SoCal Bashers, or hit up me, and and I can get them to you from pretty cheap because we order them for CTRC and sell them at that track for twenty five bucks, I believe, is what we're doing. But they're buying them in in bulk. Oh, that's really you know? good. Yeah, we uh, so you know it's just easier and cheaper. When we introduced you four to our local track here and uh, had kind of changed the track around to be able to incorporate in rock racing too like we had to kind of fill in sections in between the sections of pipe with rock and do some bypasses and stuff like that to make it work but man right the guys showed up to race and they'd been doing it at other places where they're like hand counting and not using a computer system and they're like so we need a transponder and we had house ones available but man, right. as soon as they'd ask, like, "Well, what if I just buy one?" <laughs> you know, and you tell them the price, they're like, "Whoa, no, no, right. no, thanks." Yeah, that's a huge yeah, turnoff. It's it is it is especially when you drop, Lord knows how much money on your car. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and then you realize you're not even done yet. <laughs> and it's exactly it's still a big expense, even with like regular RC race cars. Because I mean, we have probably three to four cars we race competitively throughout the year and man you know you get each one of them with a hundred hundred fifteen dollar transponder and it, it adds up pretty quick you know especially it when does. a buggy's you know 
the transponder is a fifth of what the cost is of a two-wheel drive buggy or something, so that's pretty tough. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, no, that was just a question I had because I remember it was a, a kind of a pain in the butt. We'd actually, that's why they'd have so many, I guess you could say, they called them marshals, but they weren't, the, you know, we weren't flipping cars over. But you had to watch, like, when the first person started, like, they'd hold up a number one and they'd point to the car and if you had to you had to yell at the next person hey this person's in first and it was kind of a pain in the butt but then again you know they don't have, you know everybody that comes on like especially like axio fest not all of them are you know diehard mm-hmm. racers so they don't have all the equipment so they don't rely on it they just do the old right. school method of counting and saying this person wasn't first or you know so on and so forth but yeah no i was just curious to see and also that way it kind of I guess uh, informs our listeners in, into you know so they can know hey this is how they're doing it so like let's say somewhere back east you know someone's like hey that sounds really cool uh, I want to start this at our local place they have an idea of right yeah Jermaine Berry has a great track that he uh, runs over what they there. can do to get started mm-hmm. so um, and yeah, I think that's really cut. cool. And then there's one other note I wanted to there. make. Um, you were cutting oh, out there. Yeah, it's, there was like a weird delay or something. It's cutting yeah. out. Yeah, Jemiah Berry, that's a new Benford Radio Control Club. Yeah, it's a beautiful in track. Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah, so anybody on the East Coast, if you're in that neighborhood, definitely go check it out because I've seen the pictures of his outfit online, and it is badass. It's a sweet-looking yeah. track. Yeah, they do monthly trophy events, you know, and they also do practice, you know, weekly. I've talked to him a little bit about his track, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, no, he's uh, he's doing it, man, and I got to give him props for it, you know. That that kind of hell yeah, you there, Adam? Yeah, I'm... Adam, you there? Yeah, we're still here. Weird. Yeah, I'm here. I, I keep I keep losing you, but not Sean. Yeah, Adam cuts out a little bit here and there, but weird, huh? No, so what I was gonna say, um, and I, I probably should address this at the earlier on in the show, but that's all right. Um, people are probably wondering if this is a scale RC show, you know, who's Sean Russin and why is he on here? And th- there's a lot of things that have been making me think about scale RC and exactly what falls into the scale RC category. And your description of U4 is the exact reason that I was drawn to it and actually drawn to the hobby in general because when we first got into RC, short course is what grabbed our attention, my son and I, because they looked real, you know, and we we said the same exact thing you did about buggies. Like, dude, I'll never race a buggy. They look so stupid. They look like little spaceships. And, you know, seven years later, that's like all we're driving. But what, what drew us to it is the scale aspect of it. And then that's also what, like I said, what drew me to U4, what drew me to crawling was the fact that, I mean, man, you can make them look so real and detailed. Well, yeah. I'm now we've got drag racing popping up, and we are seeing a lot of really scale-looking drag racing builds. You know, there there's a few space spaceship-looking ones out there that kind of look like they're loosely modeled after, you know, like a uh, like a top fueler, but you know, they're still very RC car looking, but like 
these Novas and the bodies that Proline's released recently that are, you know, they aren't unlicensed, but they definitely, or they aren't licensed, but they definitely resemble yep. some real rigs. It's Yeah, the Super J is pretty cool looking. Yeah, it's sweet. So yeah. is you dabble in so many different areas of RC, you know, like you like bashing and playing. And I mean, anyone that follows you, you're really, really involved just in RC in general, you know, like, yeah. Um, so with the drag racing, in a way, mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised when I saw you showing some interest in that. But then it kind of clicked. I was like, well, what is it about the drag racing that's appealing to him? Is it the speed or is it, you know, the realism? Both. Yeah. Both. Um, what, you know, looking at, I mean, if you follow Tim Smith, I mean, his cars are amazing. You know, and those pro stock cars, I mean, I, I, my dad, you know, I'm a motorhead, you know, and I've always loved drag racing. I love going fast. You know, if you follow me, you know, I've, I'm into speed boats. So mm-hmm. it's a whole nother thing that I'm into. So anything with a motor going super fast, like drag racing or, or it, it catches my attention. Right. And then when you see the car, these little tiny, you know, and you actually go to the drag races. And you see them line them up, and you look at them as they're getting them up on the lights, and they say, "Watch the lights!" Boom, and they go down, and boom, they take off. It's it's other than the the smell of top fuel, and you just hearing the electric motor, it's it's very real. You know, it's very real feeling when you're even there watching them. And if you get the video shot, and you mm-hmm. look at the video shot, I mean, it, you know, other than the sound and the big flames shooting out of the pipes and all that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very scale. The drag racing stuff is extremely scale. So that's that is very much what is appealing to me is not only the speed but the cars. You know, it's always the cars. So would you, you know, be comfortable me. saying then that you would consider this new like the slash no prep drag racing? Would you include that in scale RC in general? Like, is, is that something you'd lump into the same category, or what? Like, what's your personal thought on that? Yeah, I would say that the that when the the no prep um street outlaw style yeah drag racers yeah i i, I uh you know with the mustang bodies and stuff like that yeah even though they're a lexan they're not a hard body and they don't you know i say they resemble scale absolutely yeah, it's it's just weird. I'm seeing a lot of crossover lately. You know, a lot of people getting interested in it. Which I mean, of course they are because it's really cool. But like the local RC park that we have up here, uh, Die Hard RC, they are putting in a crawler course, and they what it is is it's this farm, and they lease the back section of this farm, and there's an airfield that's been there for probably about 20 years, and uh, there's even a paved road that's there that is only traveled for the airplanes and stuff, and we were looking at it the other day. And they were like, hey, you know, we could do a no no prep drag strip right here. I mean, there's very little cracking, and I think we'd have like one or two patches to do it the most. But it's, you know, there's easily, you know, the 300 or so feet that you need for the drag strip. And I'm seeing a lot of the same crawler guys getting all excited and pumped up over the drag racing thing, too. And it, mm-hmm. it's just funny. It's like at some point I kind of envision scale rc just expanding and the scene encompassing all of this stuff you know whereas you've you've got racing and that's kind of its own little thing and then you've got scale rc which has u4 racing drag racing crawling all this other stuff because it all is so realistic now yeah we'll see and that's oh sorry go ahead no i i was just gonna say that's what's so appealing about 
any of the new kind of RCs that are out right now is it's very much everything is going towards the scale look. I mean, you'll always have your eight scale buggy and you're always going to have your 10 scale buggy right. and your truggies and they're always going to kind of look the way they look. Yeah. But, and that's fine. Yeah. Cause arrow counts on those and a lot of people don't uh, understand that. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and if you listen to Tim and the, and what he talks about with the dry arrow is, is everything, yeah. you know, on top of motor setup and wheel and tire and gear and everything. But if you've got a car that's, you know, doesn't have proper arrow, it's not going to shoot straight down the track. It's right. going to, it's going to fight you, you know? And, and, uh, so, you know, there's, there's kind of that fine line to where when, these guys are designing these cars, you know, for many, you know, for many years they're designing RC to be functional and to run. And now they're starting to create these cars where they're, they're taking scale into consideration and then still trying to make the RC run on top of it being scale, which right. kind of, I think for the, for the companies makes it a little more challenging, you know, because for years, everything's just a flat pan with a center diff and another diff and you throw a body on it with some shock towers and you're done. Yeah, you know, it's like I, I listen to these people say, "Yeah, this is a copycat of this and that." I was like, you know, the flat pan car's been around since the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That goes back longer than most people have been alive that are in the hobby. Yeah, you know, the flat pan car's been around forever. So, um, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny that that argument and conversation yeah, is something that's always going to was... happen. You there, Adam? Um, yeah. Oh yeah, you there? No, all I was gonna <clears throat> say, yeah. You still, yes. like, you guys still hear me? Yes. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, now I can. Okay. Um, okay. So what I was just gonna say was, you know, I understand. You know, we called ourselves that scale RC show, and I know we both kind of have more of a, you know, trail. I guess, you know, scale crawler kind of background, and that's kind of like where everything kind of like starts. But the fact that we're labeling it scale RC, it's to me anything that can resemble exactly like what Sean was saying, where you can bring in the real life one to one look and replicate that down into a scale form. I would say, yeah, that's scale RC. As long as you're trying to make it true to something that exists. I would say that's scale RC. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, you want to say scale boats, planes, um, you know, drag cars, U4 cars, whatever it is. Um, and you already nailed it on the head. You know, you obviously have your cars that are going to resemble more of an RC car slash toy. That's, you know, the design they've been. That's the way it's going to be. And then you have the other side that it's trying to get it as realistic as possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, that's kind of what keeps me going is is how much farther can you push the envelope to where people are um, second guessing like it's actually pretty funny. I know this is a little side note, but I, it, it kind of ties into what we were talking about. So up here in Northern California, there, there's a, a, a real four by four shop called wfo concepts and they're out of auburn have one ton axles all that stuff well their media guy looks up people that use the hashtag wfo concepts well elio used that um in a couple of his posts with his scale jeeps because i cut him out some wfo stickers for the windshield 
and they reposted one of those, and I'm still not sure if their media guy thought that was a real Jeep or if they knew it was a toy but thought it was cool. <laughs> that's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's a great problem to have with this hobby. <laughs> so, so yeah, so, I mean, I'm sitting here going, like, like I was like, yeah, so I'm sitting here going, okay, do they know that's a toy or do they just think, oh, this is somebody's Jeep and they slapped the windshield sticker on there and they're out there using it? I mean, it's it's one of those things. That it's like, I don't know, I almost wanted to hit up because I know the owner. I almost wanted to hit him up and say, hey, does your show, social media guy know that this is a toy or was it right. just because it says WFO on it so he's resharing it? So, but no, it's, I mean, it's cool. I mean, when you have that, like Jay said, that problem where you're like, hey, is that real or is that fake? I think that's the goal that a lot of the scale oh, yeah. enthusiasts try yeah, to do. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Or achieve. That, that's the, that's what you want to do is you want to trick them. You know? No, I, I see mm-hmm. a lot of those kind of pictures, you know, of Jeeps. Primarily Jeeps is what you'll see. And, and, you know, the first thing I look at is the rims. You know, yeah. So that's where yep. I can. That's where <laughs> looking at the rims. I'm looking at the 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 screws that are holding on the hubs and things like that to try and try and figure it out. You know, that's really. Cool, we'll see, though. and then I don't know if you're if you're, yeah, and I don't know if you're this way because I know that's kind of how I am. And and Jay, I don't know if I've ever asked you this either. Once, once I start doing something. a certain way to achieve a certain scale look it's hard to revert back to what you used to do like for instance like running vp wheels you always use give you i've recently started using the acorn nuts and now i can't go back like i have to use locked up rc's scale acorn nuts just because it gives that much better mm-hmm. of a look it, yeah it does so i don't know if ton. you so well no what i'm saying is like that's a thing that I've gone into and I haven't been able to revert backwards. So I don't know, it, like, are you guys the same way? Like, do you, you know, do something differently to achieve a scale look and then, like, you kind of never go back? Uh, I'm always trying to switch things up on my cars or at least especially my, like, my trail car. I'll run it for a little while and get bored with it. And then I'll want to switch it up. So I would say that... You know, some of my cars, especially the trail one, I'm always trying to do something different to it. You know, I just added a gun rack, you know, a while back ago to the back mm-hmm. of it and then put a pistol on the front seat. I, you know, it's just a little stuff that you try and do. And that's something that I'm trying to actually get more into is is the little knickknacks. You know, your mm-hmm. scale by Chris items and all of the little chainsaws. And, you know, my wife loves that stuff. So it, it makes her interested in it. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm always trying to do something scale with my cars for the crawlers, my race cars, I'm only going so scale because I'm beating them up. So you don't want to go too scale. Like my UC fab stuff. I'm not adding, you know, radiators and all of that. Like, like Mike Kassar and, and, and Gene Boyd, they're good at that kind of stuff. They'll go a little extra mile on their UC fab cars. Whereas me, I'm just trying to thoroughbred racer it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You know? So. And that's actually one other area I think we should probably bring uh, bring to an attention uh, to anybody else listening. Uh, 
I know we've been saying UC Fab a lot, and I'm sure people go and look up UC Fab. Mm. To my knowledge, Kyle is not taking orders on anything new. The only way to get your hands on a UC Fab chassis is to find somebody selling it, which correct. is very hard to correct. do. You so. you are 100% correct. Um, I'm not going to say too much and speak on him on his behalf, but he's busy with the one-to-one stuff now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And... Uh, but uh, but never fail. You know, Boyd's up there right now as we speak, uh, hanging out with him. Um, nice. Now, what's going to become in the future? We'll all have to wait and see. But <laughs> nice. uh, but um, yeah, those chassis are hard to get your hands on. Uh, they are, you know, they're awesome. I have a couple of them laying around here, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't even think about getting rid of them oh ever. it's it's something you got to see in person like you have yeah to, once you, you actually see one yeah once you get your hands on one and you drive them and and for me you know i've been racing my prt for almost two years and i've taken you know a couple points championships with it and then i just got my fis and took the nationals with it and once you actually do really well with them and drive them it's just like yeah i'm not getting rid of this are you crazy <laughs> it, well for for it's not just that it's the actual like if you're somebody who can admire quality work oh that's yeah enough, that's another reason why you won't get rid of it it's just <clears> because of that i mean it took me i've talked about getting a uc fab chassis for the past two years but it wasn't until this past year that i actually made it a goal and thankfully you know gene boyd helped me with that mm -hmm. and he actually purchased a rig that he wasn't planning on doing anything with he just wanted it because he didn't want it floating around yeah and he knew i was looking for it so he's like hey i got my hands on one would you like it and i said without you know a pause <laughs> yes how much yeah because i know if i don't do it now the chances of it being there again are gonna be slim very so slim. No, it's crazy. You, uh, you'll see them go up for sale, and like within a day or so, they're gone. <laughs> oh yeah. And the amount of money they go for so, is just like wow, you know. Worth but, every uh, penny, though. Oh, for sure. Oh, it's 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 worth it. Well, when you look at, and I think, um, I think you guys were talking about this on your very first podcast. What it takes to bend and weld and put together a metal cage. I mean, you're talking hours and hours and hours of labor. Yeah, you uh -huh. know, and people, you know, some people they cringe when they when they hear how much one of these cages costs, but when you break that down per dollar per hour, you know, he's it's not that much. I mean, it, these things take a long time. Oh to build, yeah, That's, you oh, yeah. know, and and the welds that are done are so clean, and they're not all buggered up, you know. I've seen some cages built, and you look at the welds, and it's just like a big snot ball holding it together. And it's yeah. like, you know, his stuff is just clean. All the seams, all the, you know, uh, where the tubing meets together. You know, I mean, those are, those aren't pressured in. They, they are. The tubes are set just nice and neat, and and so there's a lot of tender, loving care that Kyle puts into these cages to get them built. Oh, absolutely. You know. And then the other area that, that goes into it is the material. Yeah. Um, you know, they. I think he's got – I think he used to do the two versions. He had the solid and the DOM style yep. tubing. Yep. Um, and 
if anybody knows the difference, the solid is obviously going to be heavier, the DOM is going to be lighter, but the DOM is a special process, especially getting it down in that small of a size, it costs more. So right. that also, you, you know, you, uh, you got you got to drive those cars a little careful, a little more careful too. My my FIS RIS is is hollow tube, and my PRT HD is solid. And uh, you know, when you look at the cages, if you're if you're not nice to the car, it's going to show. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, if you get into a bad situation, you're going to be you're going to be tapping it back to back straight again. You know. But uh, I've got a few bars on my FIS that need some work from him. But as far as like the chassis and everything else, it you know it still tracks straight and everything. It's just you know it's taken a tumble or two, and so it's got a couple bars that need him to end time. Sometime we'll send it out there and let him let him work on it. No. Yeah, with him being as busy as he is, I was actually fortunate enough when I purchased mine, which I guess you can call it a wraith drop-in, a WDI, because it's it, it was a it was one that he didn't do a lot of, I guess, because I actually was fortunate enough to talk to Kyle for like two hours before I sent him the chassis, because um, after I purchased it off of Gene, it was you could tell somebody else had, for lack of better words, molested it. It was some things were altered and it wasn't like a true you know uh, uc fab style so uh -huh. i I, I sent some pictures to to kyle and he said oh yeah somebody else adjust, uh, changed some of that out because they they went with a different style of steering setup so i said well i would like it to be how you'd be happy with it like with your name on it saying yes this is something that left my shop my you know name is behind it so i said i'm gonna send it to you i don't care what it costs just fix it and he was actually really accommodating and i was actually shocked he got it, it done as fast as he did because i think when i sent it out to him he was getting ready for something for some one-to-one -one event i just don't know which one it was but it was out there in utah i just don't know mm -hmm. i think or maybe it was in colorado but i just don't i know he was getting ready to leave so the fact that he was actually able to knock it out one night I was actually blown away. Right. Yeah. But yeah, what he does, true work of art. Yep, they sure are. So, but yeah, I just felt like I wanted to get that out there because, like, you know, I know some of our listeners, you know, they've always asked us, hey, can you post up what it is you're talking about? Can you post up where we can find this stuff? And I want to just make that clear that it's not something, especially the UC Fab, you're not going to be able to just go out and buy. Um, it's not like uh, a household name like um, you know Axial or Enduro or Team Associated. You can't just go out and purchase that. They're not you know mass producing them. No, those 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 are your uh, trophy rigs. And you for we have a class, and they're called trophies. So you have Trophy I, which is independent, and that could be independent front, solid rear, or independent front, independent rear. And then you have your trophy. S, which is solid axle, which is like your BDI, your bomber drop-in or your rate drop-in or something like that. And, um, you know, UC Fab's not the only guy out there that makes cages or made cages. You know, there's there's RC Fab Works and there's other builders out mm -hmm. there like Emery Works and yeah. things like that that you can, yep. you can get in line. You know, I don't know if, if Duncan is building cages or not. Um, I, I can't really say, but, but he did at one time and you could try and look these guys up and see if they'll build you a cage um but yeah that's the trick is finding the builder getting some money down 
waiting for the cage to be built and and then and then starting the hard process making it all work because yep these are 100 percent custom there is no instruction manual there yep. is no i'm just going to go to the hobby store and take this cage and be like how do i put it together they're going to look at you and go i don't know you know mm -hmm. so you gotta you you know you do need to kind of come up with a plan of attack of what you're going to do and what you're going to base it off of, whether or not you're going to build it, you know, based off of a Wraith or you're going to build it based off of a bomber or, you know, that's the cheap, that's the, I'm not cheap, that's the easier way to do it is just kind of have your cage built around an existing car, you know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, the trick is, though, is, you know, they do require, there's a lot of rules when it comes into the trophy rigs, and, and I would recommend anybody that's looking to build a cage for U4RC to race on a national level that they go to U4RC.com and look at the rules under the trophy sections because there are wheelbase, track width, window sizes, you know, shocks need to mount to the cage itself, not to shock towers. So there's some details that need to be paid attention to when you're actually building one of these cars. Um, the trophy ones. Now your your other classes that we have, like your one nine trail, that's just your TRX four or or any other over the counter trail car. You know, uh, uh -huh. then you then you have your two two solid, which is going to be your wraith or your bomber. Or maybe your GMA, you know, uh, cars or something like that, and and those there's rules, but not so much, you know. That you don't really need to worry about the rules because it's a out of the box car, you know what I mean. Right. And then you've got your, you exactly. Then you got your two two, two two Indy, which is your independent front solid rear axle cars. That's your, that's your uh, Yeti and your Rock Ray. You know, and those cars again. Now there is a wheelbase difference between the Yeti and the uh, Rock Ray. It's 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 very minute, and uh, we have not necessarily written the Rock Ray into the rules, but we're not ruling it out either. The Rock Ray's been racing in U4 since the day it was released, so it's one of those things where, like, yeah, if you go and look at the rules and you measure your Rock Ray, yeah, it's off, but we're not gonna. It's it's legal. <laughs> so and then uh, yeah, we'll, and then there's the two two unlimited, which is probably one of the newer classes that we've added to U four since I've started. This is you know been a, a group effort between when Arizona was running. Um, everybody kind of came up with this idea of running fully independent, kind of a hybrid. Uh, um, buggy truggy slash short course car but yet you still got to have a cage and drivers um and that's probably the fastest class that we got now so oh, that one kind of gets out of the scale look a little bit because you know like i that's my db48 uh which is techno so yeah when you pull the cage off it's a flat pan you know um but we built that class that class is for people that want to go fast real fast and then also maybe they've got a short course car maybe they got an eight scale buggy and they want to come rock race it's not that hard to make that buggy or that short course car into an unlimited and come have fun right you know you could very <laughs> easily take one of those cars and and put a low c uh what is the s-e-b-e cage on a short course car with two two tires and and have at it <laughs> 
That's cool. That's a good way to get people into it. That was the idea. Nice. What? Well, he. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, but the more the merrier, and the I guess if you have all the different classes, you can get your beginner guys. You know, coming into something that's more like you said, over the counter style classes, and then they can grow from there if they want to start diving into a little more you know, unique setup or whatever. Um, I guess this is, you, and you can laugh all you want, um, but Jay might even get a kick out of this too. Besides becoming more popular in the one-to-one -one world, would you guys consider... I didn't catch the question you were cutting out. Yeah, I know. I don't know what, I don't know what happened with this. It was like my thing was beeping in my ear I don't know what was going on anyways my question was with side-by-sides becoming so popular in the Wonder One world if enough people had them like the scale versions would you guys consider a side-by-side -side class um I think we have too many classes as it is right now possibly um but because we have so many classes I think we'd have to lose one in order to add another one right. no I, I I get it I just didn't know because like you know with uh, like like uh, King of the Hammers they have the side by side class right. where they all run right so I would you know um, maybe not on a series level but like at a pro line by the fire event where where I'm coming in and doing a U4 deal and we're not really racing all the classes we're just you know we have a solid class and a and a and a one nine, you know, a two two class and a one nine class, and it's just open. Bring what you got. That would be something I think that we would race those cars uh, if enough of them showed up um, and create like you know a hot lap for it. That's primarily primarily what we do at the uh, Proline by the Fire is we do hot laps. We don't really race all the cars all at once. Dude, that's a great um, idea. So I think that yeah, that that the side by sides absolutely could come and 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 run at an event like that or or possibly another u4 event that i might throw that's not uh, basically a series that's kind of like a call out race or something like that for mm -hmm. sure that would be really oh, cool. cool to see like axial do something like that at axial fest have a yeti jr you know side-by-side -side course just specifically for racing those that'd be kind of something yeah. fun because it's scaling because they do race them at king of the hammers i i I would agree that it fits in U4. You know, that it fits. Do we run it right now? No, not yet. But it's, you know, it, it fits because the KOH guys are doing it. It'd be so sick for like a little backyard course, have like three or four buddies mm -hmm. come over and race those things. God, that'd be fun. I actually drove one um, a while back ago when we were kind of like walking out horsemen to coming up with plans for the 2019 Pro Life by the Fire. And I, it was, I was, you know, it's cool. It's, hey, it's cool. pretty am I, fun. Am I going to race, race out and go get one right away? No, not, not I got other things on my plate, but I wouldn't turn it down. <laughs> They're fun. Yeah. Once you get the weight situated and you uh, throw some decent suspension under that thing, like, dude, they're a kick in the ass. Like, it is serious, serious fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I and I think it's funny because it's like, you know, me and Jay, we've always had this joke about, hey, we should make these things contenders and, you know, take them out to the, you know, to the trail and stuff and, you know, put them up against, you know, like the SCX-10s and, you know, the TRX-4s and take them up lines that those guys are just like, you got to be kidding me. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, they're definitely fun. It's a unique thing. Um, I'll admit when I got mine, it was more of a, you know, novelty thing. But I've thrown a couple bucks at it and, you know, made it something that I'm happy with. So, in the end, I guess, you know, it's a win-win. Right. So, um, no, I was just always curious about that because that's one area that I've actually been kind of surprised about that somebody hasn't, even like with I'm losing you again. Mm-hmm. I'm losing them too. Or not scale, but um, like the custom chassis guy is like, I'm surprised nobody's tried to make some sort of a. St- I usually do the podcast. Still there? Yeah. Yep. I didn't catch what you. I didn't catch okay. what you were saying, but I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, no, of course. Like I said, this will be the last time I'll say it right now. I'm not doing a podcast from the house. I usually always go to our office because the Wi-Fi is better there and all that stuff. So, oh man, this... I was I was having cell problems today. I was texting Jay, going, oh, "I don't know what was going on with my phone." <laughs> yeah, and of course that's that's what's happening with me. I've always said, "Well, I could do a podcast from here," but now I'm I'm you know determined it ain't happening anymore we, it's, i'm convinced we learned something tonight <laughs> so well we're learning a lot tonight we're learning about uc uh u4rc we're learning about my crappy wi-fi so yeah, what, yeah what's the mailing address for your wi-fi company we're gonna have everybody send them hate mail <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's a whole different conversation, but from my understanding, especially the way Wi-Fi works, especially around where I live, I don't know if all you know neighborhoods are set up this way, but I guess each block has its own, I guess you know phone connection center. Mm-hmm. I and I guess you know depending on where the house is located on the block, you either get better or worse, you know. Uh, connection we are literally the last house in the series so it's going to be crappy no matter what Uh, and you're on a you're on a cable internet service uh yes yeah so you're sharing the bandwidth within the neighborhood yep yep so crappy crappy especially during these times of these uh these hours when everybody's home exactly that's when you're gonna yeah Hey, I know we're getting. Yeah, well, of, we've been. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Adam. There's no, a there's okay. a weird delay, just, and I keep we keep talking over each other. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I've had this before. Um, it happened unfortunately when we did a podcast with uh, Tim Smith a while back. Um, no, all I was gonna say is we've been promised broadband for the last three years, but it's never come here. So. Oh, great. Mm. Well, but what I was gonna say, I know we're getting kind of close to our time here, but. Uh, I wanted to kind of ask your guys' opinion on something, and I mean, and this will kind of give you an idea like how much I've been thinking about basically the the term scale RC and what all that encompasses. And 
when the drag racing thing started up, looked super cool, got excited about it right away. A um, couple other guys too. It never really took off or went anywhere because it was sort of like everybody is waiting for the other guy to make the first step and build one, you know, before they wanted to jump on board. So we're still mm-hmm. kind of running into that problem. But I, I think once one person steps it up, it's it's going to take off. But I had some resistance. Um, when I first had brought this up with our skill crawler club and I had brought up the drag racing, I said, you know, is this something that you guys feel you'd be interested in or whatnot? And a lot of people are like, no, we just want to keep it strictly crawler. And so I, from running, a, everyone said that it should have its own separate group, but that turns into a whole other nightmare. Like I know myself, I don't want to have like, four different you know facebook accounts and instagram accounts to accommodate you know every you know group page or whatever that we have going so i I, personally i kind of wish that we would somehow be able to embrace the scale you know the no no prep drag racing into uh what we're doing with our club so that it's kind of one place to go for information on anything that is you know has to do with scale rc but like i said i kind of had some resistance with that so i I just wanted to kind of get your guys' thoughts on it i mean do you see things kind of going in the same direction and uh some of the pages that you're a part of where these groups are getting more involved in other things does it make sense to kind of consolidate those on social media or keep it all separate Personally, for me, I think on a on an administrative level, because that's what I do a lot of, it makes it a lot easier to administrate it under one house instead of spread all over the place. Scale RC is exactly what you're saying it is. It's scale RC. It goes anywhere from rock racing to crawling to scale drag racing to trophy trucks. There is a certain set of products out there right now that the companies are selling that is based on scale and it's not just crawling you know i mean when you're looking at you know drag racing is still and i'm not it, it's still its own entity you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's not as popular as as eight scale well it might be as popular but as far as like going to the hobby store and you're going to go buy a drag car really there are no drag cars to just buy at the quote unquote hobby store these are cars they're kind of like a uc fab car you got to kind of build it right or you gotta <laughs> you gotta know a guy or you gotta know a group and and that's how you get your drag car built um to me that makes it even more special um but i mean there's a lot of companies out there that are selling scale stuff so i think that i think it does fall in um i think it's new and anytime you have something new you're gonna have a little bit of resistance you know People don't, people fuss with change a little bit or, or fuss with new stuff. And so, yeah, there's going to be that. But I think in time, um, it's going to work. It'll work fine. And start seeing more crossover and stuff. That couldn't have been yeah. a better answer, dude. Like that, yeah. that was, <laughs> I'm sitting here going, man, oh man, this is so great that, you know, I, he, he was the one that I chose to bring all this stuff up with, you know, because like what you just said was just so spot on, dude. You couldn't have answered it any better. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, like I, I love the scale stuff, you know, like my, my Baja Ray, if you were to ask me, what's your favorite RC car? Well, that would be really hard, but I love the Baja Ray. You know, I just, I like trophy trucks. 
yeah. you know i think the trophy trucks are bitching you know the the udr is awesome to look at it's not a car that i drive a lot it sits on my bench and i push on the suspension and I'll take it out and kind of drive it around, but it's not one of those cars that I'm beating on right. because I bought it to look at it. Right. That's really why I bought it, you know, because I love mm -hmm. the way it looks, you know. I've got lots of RC cars that look like RC cars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I like the scale stuff. That is my favorite, whether it's fast, slow, it doesn't matter. If it's got drivers in it and headlights and, you know, radiators and, you know, fire extinguishers and jack stands and all that fun stuff that they, these cars are starting to come out with. That's that's what I love about it. You know, it makes it fun. Well, another thing that I wanted to kind of touch on too was the fact that if, if anyone follows your, your social media, well, we got that overlap thing going. Um, if if anyone follows you on social media, they'll see you know almost weekly race reports. They'll see you involved in as many different things as you are. You know you've you've got a lot of uh, online presence in the different areas that you're involved in. On um, you know with uh, with Facebook and with Instagram and everything. I, you're really really active on Facebook. I think more so than possibly Instagram. Um, just because of the content that you can actually post. But, I mean, you've kind of, you're one of the few people out there that's, like, really, really doing it right as far as representing your sponsors and doing things to grow the hobby. And uh, that that was one of the reasons why I thought you'd be perfect for this episode, you know, because people can kind of hear about your involvement and how passionate you are. And you're really one of the few guys that's doing everything you can to help things grow. And that's a really cool thing to see. And it's a sponsor's dream, you know, to see this guy that's posting weekly, what he's been up to builds, showing off new products that come out that is, you know, from his sponsors and stuff. And you do a fantastic job of that. And I, I think in the future, you know, you, you may have, end up hating me for doing this but in the future mm -hmm. i was thinking you know like you you really are kind of the perfect person to refer somebody to if they have sponsorship questions because like i said i mean you're you're doing everything right and it's very very cool to see and it's it what you're doing it's easy to see the direct impact that you're having on the hobby as a result of that you know you're getting a lot of positive comments um people liking your photos, engaging in conversations with you about the stuff that you happen to go do on that particular weekend. And, uh, you know, it, it, it you're, I'm here. I'm kind of losing like what I'm trying to say without repeating myself. Um, you've really got it dialed. And I think if I were to, you know, it, try to explain to anybody what, people are looking for and what your online presence should be i i would definitely refer you know refer them to you to use you as an example in that situation because of you know just how engaged you are with everybody it's not like you just post and disappear like you you actually you know pull people in and you guys have a conversation about what's going on so it's cool thank you jay i um i do this because i love it you know it, it's really there's no money in this. We all know this. There's no money. Mm -hmm. this, this hobby costs me money. I don't make a penny running you for. I don't make a penny making the flyers, making the awards, you know, all of that stuff. I do it all, all the coordinating, working with ProLine, working with all my events. I do it all because I love it. 
You know, That's it's rad. one of those things where I'm not looking at it to make a profession. I would love to, right? I mean, who wouldn't? But mm-hmm. um, I do this because I love RC. I've been in RC since I was six years old. I have everything RC. You name it, I have it. Trains, <laughs> uh, <laughs> planes, helicopters. You know, the only thing I've never done is race road, but I have everything. And I do it because I love it. I love tinkering on cars. I love turning wrenches. You know, it's just, it's a huge passion. The, the sponsor thing really didn't and and you probably know this jay i mean really the sponsor thing didn't start happening for me until about two years ago you know Mm -hmm. it was always one of those things where i mean i've had a passion for rc my whole life but the sponsors were like oh that's impossible you you know you can't get a sponsor but it wasn't until i met gene boyd that he actually showed me the way to make it actually possible and then once i met heath from cal rc and being on the team with cal rc um, that definitely molded me on the pictures because Heath loves that stuff. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what makes, you know, Cal RC tick is, is the social media side of it. And so that's what really took off. Like I just became all, almost like an obsession, you know, of just having so much fun taking these pictures of my cars and the bench and, and it just manifested into now now I just do it out of muscle memory. I, I you know, I go mm-hmm. to the bathroom in the morning with my cup of coffee and I do a couple posts. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? And um, it's just because I, I love it. I, you know, I I, uh, I love RC. I love helping. So yeah, if anybody wants to hit me up on Facebook or Instagram and you want to know, you know how to take it to that next level not saying i'm a pro but i will give you as much information that i can you know yeah i didn't mean to like volunteer you without having your no, permission it's fine. or anything I absolutely no problem. <laughs> one of my things that i like to do when i go to the trout because i try and take a minute and and step away from my bench and help i know that i i'm like any other racer when it's in the heat of the moment I get really into the race zone and maybe I might not be totally approachable, but, but, uh, you know, just know that if you have a question or you got something you want to talk to me about at the track, come up to me, grab me, say, Hey man, you know, I'm, uh, I'm more than happy to take a second and talk to anybody really, to be honest with you. That, you know? That's awesome. And to anybody that's listening to this too, and it's something that Adam, I have both stressed so many times. And that is that, if you're looking to get sponsored, get into it for the right reasons. Don't do it for the the stuff. And one of the things that's really easy to see with you, Sean, is getting the stuff. Yeah, who doesn't like goodies, you know? But right. we actually see you out, like, helping with ProLine, helping with all these different events. And a lot of the fun of being a sponsored driver is isn't getting the stuff it's your it's your involvement with that company and that's what makes it really fun you know is having that um rapport with them and bouncing ideas back and forth and especially when you're you know with a company like let's say proline where they're super super receptive to feedback and new ideas and stuff Uh, that side of it and i can't tell people this enough that is what's way more fun than getting product i mean it it, it's Mm -hmm. It, oh, yeah. It's being a part of that company and being valued as a team driver, and 
that that should be your goal because you're going to better yourself you're going to better the hobby you're going to better your local scene and it's going to draw more and more people in so you know really i mean anyone listening to this really look not just at the list of sponsors he has and the stickers that are on his cars but really take a look at what sean is doing out in the rc community and that is what has helped propel him to the level that he's at is his active involvement and that's i know not everybody's a leader or they want to jump in and volunteer and maybe they have you know some limitations but really that should be your number one goal is I want to be a part of this community and figure out ways in which I can make it better, not the stuff. So people, please, you know, keep, keep that in mind and you're going to see the hobby start to elevate and be even more fun than it really is. I bought all the stuff before the sponsors. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I bought, yeah. I bought all the goodies before the sponsors. Um, no, I, you know, Proline, particular well i value every one of my sponsors but proline in particular i started using proline in the very early 80s and so they have a special part in my heart because i just have always ran proline i've always ran their bodies i've always you know they're there and then once you actually get to know the people that work at proline and everything they are the greatest people i can't say enough wonderful things about proline and everybody that works at that place they are the nicest people oh yeah they really are uh-huh. absolutely they do uh, you know they really care about the customer big time and so it's it's a real honor to well to have all my sponsors really you know but they're um they're definitely my one of my favorites awesome cool. awesome well, is there um, speaking of sponsors, and we're kind of hitting our time here? Do you uh, let let's uh, have you give a shout out to everybody that uh, helps you continue to have fun the way that you do? Absolutely, I want to thank my sponsors: Cow RC, Proline, Techno RC, MKS, Tim Smith Racing, Holmes Hobbies, SOR. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> SKG Paint and RC Drag Talk, and then I'd also like to give a shout out to all my U4RC sponsors, which is UC Hab. Voodoo Tires, Vanquish, Axial, RCCrawler.com, Homes Hobbies, Extreme Performance, Proline, SKG, Reeves RC, Boom RC, Techno RC, Cow RC, The RC Network, my buddy Rich, and Competition X, my buddy Tony. <laughs> Tony's great. Did, yeah. I got asked, did you have all that written down or did you just rattle that off? No, I haven't written down. Okay. <laughs> So I was going to say, honestly, it wouldn't have surprised me at all if you would have just had it all off the top of your head. No, but I, but I, I, I cannot leave those out. They're, they're very important. You know, I also have to give a shout out to, uh, seeing how we're doing this. I, I really have to give a shout out to the guys that originally started U4RC, you know, um, and I know I'm going to leave out some names, but I, and, but, uh, Brian Jones and, uh, Tobin, um, and John Astor, Chris Pickering, you know, if those guys in my circle, if it wasn't for them, uh, you know, I wouldn't be in our in U4RC. So I got to thank the president, you know, for letting me be the admin of U4RC, letting me hold the torch and run with it. That's awesome, <laughs> man. Get a shout out to Brian. Right on. No, you're you're doing a great job awesome. for him. That's for sure. It's uh, 
it, it's really been fun to watch. And if anybody is even remotely interested in U4, um, what, where, where to send them? Uh, U4RC.com? So, yeah, so they can go to U4RC.com. We do have a web page. We're also U4RC.com uh, on Facebook. And then we're SoCal U4RC on Facebook. And then, you know, like like we mentioned these these guys before, and I'll give them another shout-out. On the East Coast, uh, New Benford Radio Control Club in Massachusetts. You can follow them on Facebook. We also have up in NorCal, we have the Raceway at Rescue. Um, you can find them on Facebook. That is in Rescue, California. And then also uh, up in Washington, the... Uh, trying to remember w-a-r-c-r-c -R -C. yep i think is how you find them them those guys too i don't get to talk to those guys as much but i'll give them a shout out too because they are supporting you for so these are areas that you can go on facebook to try and get into a race um i know there is a u4c in in australia but they they don't do too much or i i don't get to see too much of what they're doing so um yeah, that's that's the information that I have yeah. for anybody that's looking for an area. Right on. We'll be sure to post up links Sweet. and stuff to all that too. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah, I can. I, you can always go to. I mean, all these guys. I, I'm sure I've tagged them, and you know, just go to my Facebook page, dig around. I'll, I'll too. I'll I'll repost some of this stuff for you guys. Anybody that's looking for information. Right on. Appreciate that, Sweet. man. Yeah, it. I did it for a little bit, and honestly, it is probably the most fun type of rc racing i'd ever tried so if you guys are interested in it and you've got one in your area absolutely go check it out yeah and we will be i will be out at the uh the next pro line by the fire we will be doing a uh a u4 deal so nice. if you're wanting to come and come see me next year for that that'd be great you know right another on. thing yeah Another thing you'll be able to find me at also in uh, November, you know, the AMA Expo West will be probably coming back around, and me and Proline will be doing the Monster Truck Pit Party again. Too. Oh, so sweet. If you wanna, right on. You want to come come down? Anybody want to come down and say hi? I'll have a bunch of cars, and we'll be putting on a show for, for everybody like we did last year. So. Right on. That's cool. Keep your, keep your ears open on that one. Yeah, we're going to have to get back into our uh, sharing RC events. Yeah, I know. I know it. Need to get better about that. We'll do. So, well, you got anything for Sean before we take off here, Adam? No, I was just actually trying to stay as somewhat quiet so I wouldn't screw up the rest of this podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you, listeners, very much. And uh, we will see all of you next time.